0: hello and welcome to another online conversation from for the region today actually is a bit different we're bringing you a recording of an online event that took place last week um, talking about the new biophilic building in Swansea city centre so this is an amazing pioneering mixed use scheme uh, that incorporates residential and office use um, and retail right in the heart of Swansea city centre that's been enabled by the Welsh Government and the local authority but is being brought forward by a regional developer called HASA in partnership with um, Pal Dobson architects and as you hear Andrew Nixon from Pal Dobson talking about this amazing project, it really is blazing a trail for what we really want all of our um, city centre and urban developments to be, you know, taking into account. Nature and sustainability, but also the health and well-being of the people who will live in this development, and a really innovative model around um, a community interest company to run the development for a long term for the long term. And Haysa, as a responsible developer based in our region, um, I think Carwin used to be a, a farmer and has gone into developing property but loves our region and wants to do the best for jobs and skills and people in Southwest Wales. So it's a really inspiring project and I hope you'll enjoy the conversation about it. You know, there's difficult times ahead for town centres and city centres across the UK as we come out of COVID, Um, you know, a lot of, retail has been so badly hit and footfall in town and city centres is going to take a while to recover. Um, But we really need to have confidence and ambition for what the future of our city centre here in Swansea could look like. Um, There's a huge amount of investment going in. The the prospects are really exciting. The worst thing we could do is to lose confidence in the vision for what our city centre could be. So we'll be excited to talk to you about lots of different things that are happening in Swansea over the coming months. But for now, sit back and enjoy this presentation from Hayser and Powell Dobson Architects about Swansea's biophilic building. Enjoy. I'll start with a
1: little bit of context before I hand over to Andre to do the the really exciting and interesting part that I'm sure everybody really wants to see. um, I will obviously have to advise as well as Swansea is currently undergoing a radical and exciting regeneration programme, uh, which for those overseas viewers that that may be news. What this gives us is is an opportunity, a lifetime opportunity, to deliver a than a vibrant city that deals with the issues of the time. This is an unique time to be in Swansea and, and, and I always think sometimes that, that where you are at a certain point in your life and what have you is, is gives you the opportunities and, and we're very fortunate that, that we have an opportunity at this time to, to deliver on, on, on all of the regeneration aspirations that, that, that the city has. Obviously, we've had the pandemic, which has changed further. The issues that surround regeneration has changed. is changed the, the the potential future is thrown uncertainty over those kind of aspects of what, how, and what form will our office space take, and, and what have you. So, I've always, I think, regeneration. People sometimes view regeneration as purely physical, physical. Um, Aspect and, and I think that it's important to realize that, that regeneration is, is a multi-layered type of type of uh, project in that it needs to consider a number of things and one of those needs to create is to create a reason or a purpose. It's easier to just go building offices, residential. And, and just wait for people to populate. We need to create reason, and I think that's how we arrived uh, at this, this project. We, we, we've put together a great team of people from Swansea University, Andrew Martha, Powell Dobson, and a number of other people who are probably are too numerous to mention really, um, that have come together with the purpose of looking at how can we address the issues of the day. So the issues of the day, obviously, Uh, Climate change, which is a a huge matter of priority and is becoming more focused and and, and over the last probably few years, which means that there is is a spotlight on it at last, which hasn't always been the case. We also obviously want to regenerate. We want to improve the cityscape. We also want to create a place for people... to to live, work and leisure. And uh, it's really important that that we create a reason. People need reasons to come to our city centres. People need purpose and people need to feel a sense of belonging in there. So the objectives we set ourselves were to basically create community. And that then could... So encourage people to come into that environment and create a reason for being there and create a community, which is which is, I believe, the core of driving forward energy generation. The other aspects are obviously we need to deal with, with, with the climate change aspects. It's it's multi-layered, and, and we all came together as a team and sort of worked quite quite spent a lot of time on deciding how we were going to attract people into the city. The concert began probably with a green roof, simply, uh, but that soon evolved. Uh, and the ideas and concepts you're about to see with Andrew now, we, we'll show you how, how, how much progress we've made. Uh, we're really proud of it, and I hope you're as excited as we are at the prospect of delivering this and what is our home city as well. I will now pass it over to Andrew and Marta of Powell Dobson, who will run through the specifics of the project, but first a short film to hopefully
2: whet the appetite. Thank you, Carwen. I'm about to play a video It's only a minute, a minute and a half uh, long. Can I just (laughs) warn you, it does have some backing sound. So particularly if you have got headphones on, uh, you may want to just pull them away from your ears. I don't have control over the volume at your end. Uh, So just to be on the safe side, just to warn you, it may come across at your end as being quite loud. Thank you for that. Hopefully that gave you a little bit of a taster of um, what the project is aiming to do. And now I'd like to hand over to Andrew Nixon, the architect, to uh, take us through uh, the details of the project. Thank you Andrew.
3: Okay, thank you Philip. Okay, I'm going to run through a bit of a presentation now which will hopefully just describe in much more detail um, about the project, but just really picking up from where Carwin left off. Well, I'm hoping, uh, given the, uh, uh, the, the interest shown by the project, that um, it won't come as a surprise to you. There are sort of three key areas that Carwin sort of described that are influencing and, uh, f- you know, formulating the responses that we need to do in terms of uh, regeneration and projects like the one we're going to talk about. So we've got the issues clearly surrounding uh, the climate, the global climate emergency. Uh, but there's also the the tackling the problems to do with uh, the growth in urban population and and ageing in particular and the whole loneliness agenda that we need to to look at and then more recently obviously with the impact of the pandemic it's making us all think also about the kind of spaces that we need to create um, and uh, particularly in a working environment uh, what does it hold for us in the future at the moment of course it means potentially looking at uh, having much more flexible environments for us to uh, to live and work in. Um, the context that's surrounding us at the moment is there's, there's actually obviously uh, a lot of legislation and uh, coming from a, a, a global level but also at a governmental level uh, all the way through to uh, Welsh Government as well and so we're all aware of this sort of ever-increasing wave of legislation that is actually coming our way but perhaps to Very interesting uh, prospect for us this year is the COP26, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. Um, There's a bit more press about it now, and that's going to be based in Glasgow in November. That's the bottom right one you can see there. Well, some are saying it's our sort of last chance. Maybe that's possibly a little dramatic, but what it does mean is it puts a real focus on projects. Uh, like the one that we're hoping to bring forward and, and the possibility of showcasing as well. Again, I'm sure the audience are very familiar with the, the sustainable development goals. Uh, these these get appear in all sorts of publications and legislation and they're actually are the backbone uh, for a number of things that have come from and initiatives. And those sort of 17 areas, are really, there's no project that you bring forward that isn't sort of influenced by a, a number of those. Uh, and these uh, in themselves are or have been uh, the basis on which the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act uh, was set by Wales, a very forward-thinking piece of legislation and actually, you know, uh, recognised around the world now as being somewhat of a leader in trying to set the agenda so we take far more responsibility in long-term proposals brought forward rather than short-term gains. And that's an interesting sort of context but actually from the point of view of this particular project which we'll explain in a minute is that it's also good to see that Welsh Government is also assisting that so it's not just the the stick there's also the carrot to try and get us to all think along these lines and one of the programmes that they have is called the Innovative Housing Programme which is this particular project has benefited from and again you'll you'll see that uh, the targets that are set by uh, Welsh Government are in line with um, the goals set by the United Nations. Now I did spot that Herbie, Herbert Girardet, is actually in the audience uh, uh, this evening. So um, uh, Herbie, I hope you don't mind, but I nick your diagram. It's just, um, is, it, I just found it such a useful uh, introduction to the idea of responsibilities that we have uh, in terms of an urban environment. and and uh, Herbie sort of captured it uh, with these three diagrams. The, if you like, working, with, uh, probably no surprise that we're actually sitting in the middle in the, in the context of a petropolis where we're all consuming and, uh, and our relationship to uh, our hinterland as an urban center is not like it used to be where, which was uh, as an acropolis. But of course, going forward, uh, the idea is that the city should have a much more closer and regenerative relationship with its hinterland. Um, And it's a sort of message that's coming loud and clear, whether you look at transportation, energy, you look at food, you look at waste, you look at land management, all these things uh, impact. And there's definitely a move towards uh, trying to get back to that um, relationship between the city and its immediate hinterland. And again, another one of uh, Herbie's very useful diagrams, just to sort of put that into context, is that, you know, from an urban centre point of view, our our cities, is that there's been very much this linear metabolism uh, in that stuff comes in and then waste goes out. We are, you know, consumers and there's not a great deal of responsibility in the city, just channels that out. So it's taking a lot of food, energy, goods, and outgoes, waste, and emissions, and landfill, and what we really need to do is start looking at uh, recycling, and it's, it's recycling in its widest sense, so we're talking about closing some of these loops, so that the things that are coming in are renewable, they are of low energy, um, and what goes out is actually only really what's left after we've had a really good go at recycling uh, and, and actually Letting the city be part of that process. That those are the big issues. I mean, what they what they can do in a sort of very you know. This isn't a simple simple diagram, but it does actually just give some idea of one of the avenues, one of the areas that we can look at, which is the concept of decentralised energy and infrastructure. Is that if you look at all the issues that it affect us, say in a in a housing development, um, is that if we can start looking at. Uh, closing those loops, dealing with um, foul drainage, f- uh, food waste, if we can then look at that energy, um, how we actually deal with rainwater, uh, how we actually bring water supplies and uh, uh, around. Um, it's, it's starting to close some of those loops and we just feel that whilst this could be, you know, you can apply this to pretty much any project, um, it becomes increasingly more challenging to try and deliver this sort of circular arrangement actually in the city centre or in an urban environment but well, that's kind of where we got on to the project um, to try and start doing that and giving some sort of um, circular purpose to the project so we the project has been called biophilic living um, in Swansea uh, the way we see it is a possible new template for community urban living. Um, The the idea behind it is to get us to rethink the way we live in cities. So as Carwin pointed out, it's not just about having a flat in a complex uh, on a street in a city. It's actually uh, giving real community purpose to it and give a real reason for why you should be there. And of course, we've also been looking at uh, the whole concept of biophilia as a device to actually um, give some purposes. Normally, when I do presentations, we sort of end with this shot, uh, so we sort of build all the way up to it. But of course, I think most of you've seen this by now because it's been in the press, and it was probably on your on the release for this um, uh, for this evening's talk. Um, and but what it does do is, in in some ways, capture the essence of what the project is about. So you can see that it's in its city centre context, but you will probably be able to tell from that there's quite a lot of green space involved, and it's not. It's not um, greenwashing, it's not painting green on it for the sake of it. These have all got uh, specific purposes and, and fundamental to the design of the scheme is actually this concept of uh, biophilic design. It's this response to nature and working with nature and the benefits that gives in a sort of health and well-being. However, um, first and foremost, uh, we want to create a sustainable community in this particular part of the city. So, it is about providing somewhere to live. Uh, we're looking at the concept of a cooperative shared ownership model. Um, and I think the important bit, which we'll come to right at the very end, is the idea that uh, to give purpose to this beyond just physicality of it is this community interest company. So, from the start, um, we are working towards the delivery of a, a community interest company to run and help run this facility. Um, I'm talking today but uh, there's a whole raft of people involved and it would take me ages to actually name everybody individually and personally there's one or two I've spotted who are in the audience tonight uh, so thank you very much and um, I I had the benefit of uh, some of my colleagues from Hawley uh, yesterday I'm not quite sure whether they're here tonight in case there's any technical questions that I can't answer later on. Um, But uh, there's a number of people involved, Uh, I mean, when we set off on this journey, I didn't think, for example, that I would be sitting down with a research student from Swansea University discussing the multitrophic aquaponics in the urban developments and innovation in circular economy. I mean, it's a mouthful, but that's actually uh, what happens when you get involved in a project like this, is that all manner of very interesting uh, um, uh, avenues need to be explored. So you will all be familiar, I think there's one or two people who have come from far away, but uh, we're, the project we've spoken about is actually uh, pretty much in the city centre, um, it's sandwiched between the Kingsway and Oxford Street, going a little bit closer. What is actually really interesting at the moment is that um, Swansea is on a journey uh, and set uh, um, some very ambitious targets and and alongside this is the uh, green infrastructure strategy, which, again, is a really purposeful document. I think a number of, you know, clearly there are a number of other cities that are going down this route at the same time. But what it does do is give us a framework for the consideration of any regeneration project in the city. And it gives us some tools as well. And importantly, going forward, there will be a requirement on developments to actually to satisfy a certain criteria in terms of forming green space, which I'll explain in a little bit. Where did this actually come from? From our sort of interest in this, in in the whole sort of biophilic concept and what we could do with the city. Actually, for me anyway, started back in 2004. You could argue I'm late to the uh, the story, but it really came about or crystallized for me when we were involved in an art exhibition in uh, 2014 called Civic. And we were posed the the challenge by uh, the... um, uh, by the gallery uh, to think of ideas to reimagine the city and it just was obvious to me that with the uh, legacy of uh, you know 1960s buildings in Swansea that we had an extraordinary number of flat roofs and all that green diagram shows you is actually all the available roofs that could be green space and it was quite staggering when we did the analysis but well, that for me just got us thinking about what we could do and there are were, you know are, surely there are opportunities that we can actually bring um, a new a new look to the city uh, sorry there's another little picture that was the um, uh, the graphic that we did for the exhibition so let's just move to the project itself and the location so there we are that's uh, uh, it is actually the old woolworths building um, uh, and i say it's just on off oxford street is set back ever so slightly it's currently uh, the pound land um and what is interesting about the building is that whilst um it is unhelpfully a uh, big footprint uh, which makes it quite difficult for conversion um it is also robustly built it's not got a particularly attractive facade but actually the uh, the quality of the frame that's behind that and all the embodied energy that's gone into creating that is all useful for us going forward Terms of the context for the city and in terms of it as a uh, an area of regeneration um, you know for some time now this the, 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 there has been a number of policies put forward by the council and this project sits neatly uh, within one of the key areas uh, a key area for uh, the promotion of uh, living and working so uh, and also the creation of new space new public space um, so we're it's um from a policy point of view, it's obviously a, a project that is uh, meeting all the aspirations of, of the council. A little bit of an image of uh, the context for you. Um, the dotted red line actually represents the Woolworths building. Uh, this is a top-down view. The um, sort of purpley-pink buildings, just for context, are listed buildings, and the sort of um, hatched pink is the extent of the conservation area. So we are. Interestingly enough, we're, we're actually facing listed building, which uh, you know, does actually um, give us an added uh, component to when we're actually looking at the scheme. You can also see that uh, behind us there's a, um, uh, a car park, which has now been uh, abandoned. And you can also see the hole in the ground that used to be the Oceana uh, building. Um, going forward, um, there are a number of projects that are uh, in the offing. Um, obviously, we've got our project, which you can see there. Um, the Digital Village, which is now actually called 7172 Kingsway, is advancing a pace. And in fact, we're probably going to be on site at more or less the same time as two construction projects. But there are other little projects around the other blue ones that are identified or uh, projects that uh, should be coming forward. Uh, in the near future, which does mean, of course, that we've now got, um, uh, you know, what was a fairly rundown little part of the city is suddenly going to become, um, there's a real focus and there's obviously energy being put into the creation of new public yard or public square. It won't be called Picton Yard uh, for obvious reasons, but unfortunately we haven't changed all the names on this and the, the council haven't decided what it's going to be called just yet. Uh, just for context, um, 7172 looked a bit like this. This is one, the, the image uh, of the scheme that was in for planning. Uh, so that's your view on the Kingsway. And just you can see the gap between the two buildings on the left-hand side. That actually takes you into the new public square and takes you forward onto Oxford Street. From a diagrammatic point of view, um, it's encouraging to see that we're not alone in uh, you know, thinking about green space and what we can do with our roofscape. Um, and, uh, you know, clearly we are working in tandem with, uh, uh, with the council and their team uh, for this project to make sure that we deliver um, a great piece of space in between the two. Right, I'll just flip this now to a, um, a, sort of a cross-section through the building, so apologies for those who are not familiar with looking at drawings, but the reason I've done this will become apparent in a minute. But on the right hand side is the listed building, the Waterstones, the block in the middle is the existing building, uh, which used to be Woolworth's handland. And then behind you can see the car park. In essence, the project that we're doing <coughs> is that, <coughs> excuse me, in that we are going to be building on top of the existing building, making use of the existing structure. And then we are going to be building a tower behind on part of the old car park. the sort of layering of the scheme you can see there from the front to the rear is also uh, in respect to the listed building which is Waterston's uh, but it also is a limitation on what we can actually do structurally um, uh, given the constraints of the existing building so in a way this sort of layering back uh, was something we needed to focus on anyway but it just presented us with an ideal opportunity to really consider about bringing all the amenity spaces that we wanted to create for this building and actually just giving them the most fantastic southerly aspect. So a little bit about the place making. Um, we've got our tower which comes down into the, the new public space and you can see the building there. Hopefully you can just make out the Swansea market roofers in the background. So it gives you an idea of the context there. Um, and just in plan, if that's Hopefully that's come through, it's a little bit blurry on mine still. Um, but We've got a building that lands itself into the uh, the yard at the rear and then we've got the uh, building um, which is next to the Lane which is the 7172 Kingsway. And we've got the links then through from the Kingsway through to Oxford Street, you can see with the yellow arrows. Uh, we're talking uh, to adjoining owners about the possibility of breaking through a link uh, Uh, within the, um, uh, it's actually the Moda building, the possibility of actually getting another bit of permeability into that space. And there's also talk with the council about uh, an acquisition of a building off Union Street to also be able to give another form of access into into the space. And there's lots of talk about what that space should be. I mean, this is a uh, neat little diagram just to show you the relationship between the two key buildings. Um, we've been at pains to sort of make sure that we've got good public access to the lower levels of both our building and clearly the lower level of the 7172. Uh, and then there's a band of workspace that's, uh, that's, that's that both schemes have got and then in our case we carry on with living accommodation and in the 7172 they have laboratory and garden space. So. There are synergies between the two but clearly uh, what we do in between is going to be incredibly important and as i said we're not going to be calling it victim yard there's all sorts of ideas kicking around um, i mean one of the ones that we looked at was to try and create a, a more um a good bit of longevity for the space by actually looking at some the like umbrellas um or this graphic shows them a little bit better um so that we could put on events and the like but all I would say at the moment is that there's lots of discussions going on with the council about how this space is going to be used Um, uh, and and that's quite exciting Uh, but even since we put that visual together the building on the left hand side which does look a little bit sad there um, has also got planning consent for conversion so it's all starting to happen in this area which gives us great um, hope for you know the future just another visual of the If you've been down Oxford Street, you'll you'll be familiar with the the listed building, uh, and that's us behind. Okay, just quickly then to run through, um, using that section again, is that the world is changing all the time. We had uh, assumed that we'd be delivering back two floors of retail, but uh, given the the nature of retail at the moment, we're now rethinking that and uh, uh, and actually the first floor is likely now to be uh, office accommodation. Of course, even, the, even commercial office accommodation is needing to adapt. So we're looking at different uh, ways to subdivide the space, offer different tenancies, or even put um, uh, you know, greater open plan areas. Uh, what's good about the scheme is that we do have the flex in it to be able to, uh, to make the changes. We've also got to the rear and um, we we are looking at um, sort, of, sort of cafe operation but I think the most important bit there is the exhibition space uh, which is relevant to what I will talk about in a minute is the, uh, the sort of urban farm because uh, an aspect of the urban farm is actually down at that level uh, which is fish which for those who are unsure what aquaponics is about I'll explain that in a minute um, again, we, you've seen this sort of diagram. It's just to show that um, we have uh, these possible links that we are will probably need to be accommodating uh, going forward. And of, clearly, whilst we are reusing the existing building, uh, it, the front facade is, well, it's not only tired, but it's actually uh, past its um, sell-by date. Um, there are problems with it. And in any case, uh, if we are going to go down the route of actually... Uh, making this uh, far more sustainable and also it's south facing so there's a breeze soleil is going to be required and of course clearly we're also taking the opportunity to actually got a lot more green uh, you know uh, green wall space into the scheme um what we will be doing of course is retaining the trees they might get a bit of have a bit of husbandry but what is great about this is already set back so it actually feels like a square in its own right which uh, gives us some opportunities to uh, Perhaps enhance the landscape or the uh, setting as well. And it, we have a, a band of commercial, which I say, is now most likely now to be three floors, not two, um, which is quite you know a sort of flexible space. Uh, but one of the things that we are going to do is because it's quite a big footprint, as I mentioned, uh, we want to get daylight and um, and passive ventilation into the scheme. So we are proposing to um if you like to, to cut out two big squares not very easy to see on that diagram but um i've highlighted them on the, the section uh, on that image which just shows that we're uh, we're bringing the um courtyards down into the plan which allows us to ensure that everybody who's working their space is going to have access to um, the daylight but is also going to have access to an external space and And the the images on the right-hand side give you some indication of what we're hoping to achieve with those uh, courtyards. And then let's turn to the uh, residential. I mentioned this idea of the urban farm. I'll talk about that in a bit more detail at the moment. But the residential actually only starts at this uh, fourth floor level, which is kind of interesting because uh, it's not a particularly good photograph. That's us standing on top of the roof of the old Woolworths building. And what's, um, what is interesting is that from that level upwards, uh, you get uh, a fantastic view of the bay. So um, it, it, it has influenced the way we've looked at uh, the design of the residential because um, the, you know the, the, the probably the standard rule uh, in doing a residential development like that would be to have um, a handful of very expensive apartments all facing south and then the rest of the development just has to make do well we decided to, to look at it slightly differently and so we've all the apartments are either facing east or they're facing west so everybody does get a sunny outlook and aspect but everybody also gets a view of the bay but in actual fact what we're doing is we're giving over the southern elevation which is at the bottom of the page as you see it to all the amenity space and green space and the green housing and the urban farm so we sort of turned it on its head these are just a couple of plans just showing that there are a little bit grainy, I do apologise. Uh, I should have said actually we, we are going to make this available as a, as a document that we can actually uh, let everybody have um, late date. Uh, so that's, sort of, that's a cutaway section just sort of so you can see the, the office space, the commercial at the lower level, it's cut through the apartment so you get some idea, but importantly what we're showing there is that every single apartment has its balcony, its green space, Uh, Some are fortunate, they also have uh, an amenity garden as well as uh, uh, the balcony configuration, but you can also see there the publicly accessible amenity space along with um, uh, greenhousing that's specifically for the residents and then topped off by the the urban farm. This is the aquaponics uh, greenhouse. Um, Key to this, and it's also about health and well-being, the agenda and all aspects of that is just giving access to nature. Uh, whether it's beekeeping on level six, or whether it is allotments on level five, um, whether it's a, you know, um, a water fountain that's on level, i get it wrong now, on level seven, um, or it's the urban farm from sort of level eight upwards, uh, it's th- it, th- full access. Um, and so we, we are keen and have deliberately done it in such a way that there is uh, communal amenity, uh, this can also be accessible for the public, but this is going to be part of the responsibility of the community interest company, which I will come on to later. There. Um, really there's private amenity and then there's the food creation, which going back to uh, what Darwin was saying is about giving a purpose for this uh, 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 project is that this is one of the key areas that uh, we're keen that it actually becomes an asset for uh, the, the, the shared ownership model. So just hopefully just quickly run through some of these some uh, some of the interesting things about uh, uh, what we've had to do this is the sort of green infrastructure challenge first of all Um, uh, thanks to Gary Grant for um, green infrastructure consultancy for this diagram it's uh, really helpful just to sort of set the scene Um, some of you are obviously familiar with uh, sustainable drainage systems and others might not but it is a an acute problem uh, wherever we have development now, but in particular in, uh, in an urban environment where we've got to manage our water runoff uh, from uh, from all hard surfaces, whether it's roads or flat roofs or, 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 and the like. But the other important thing is that you might think it not so much a problem in uh, in our climate, but um, it is an impact in terms of how just buildings collecting together um, suffer from what's called the urban heat island effect, which in itself uh, impacts on energy, it requires us to cool things more than we should, um, and you 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 have problems um, that manifest themselves in terms of pollution, et cetera. Approaching this from a biophilic point of view, which is uh, the diagram on the right-hand side, is that we should take whatever opportunities we can to um, deal with uh, water in terms of naturally attenuating, uh, but also at the same time, cut down the amount of hard surfaces that are actually in the, in the city. So that's kind of where we're at. Mentioned about the green infrastructure strategy that the council has set down. Well, one of the th- aspects of that is that all developments need to now need to comply with a, uh, have to score on a, what's called a green space factor tool. I won't go through all the detail on this. Some of you might be familiar with it. But basically, um, you get a, a score depending on the permeability of the surface. And clearly, um, you get a better score uh, with the greener the space is, but on hard surfaces, are actually working against you. And there are targets that are set um, by the local authority in terms of what needs to be achieved. Um, it, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the analysis that we've done on our project is captured there and um, the council at the moment is, is seeking um, a um, the, the higher the figure the better by the way is seeking a 0.3 for the commercial development and a 0.4 for residential development fortunately for us and I, was, I was, you'd like to think that we should be able to at least be um, an exemplar here we've got a score of 0.679 which which actually is not bad going considering the scoring system at the moment doesn't take into account any vertical surfaces and of course uh, we've probably got as much green on our on our vertical surfaces as we have on our horizontal Uh, so we've we've comfortably made the target as recognized by uh, the guys in the council at the moment we're probably going to need to evolve that green space factor to take into account the complexity of some of our schemes coming forward and of course there's no way there wasn't actually a way to calculate the greenhouses but here we go. Fortunately, we're well within uh, the requirements. Urban farm mentioned. Um, one of the things that you know is a key driver for the scheme is actually to try and use the space to uh, to create uh, greenhousing for uh, uh, for growing food. Uh, and uh, what we looked at is various systems, but the one that we uh, focused on was aquaponics. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, aquaponics. Is actually the use of fish waste uh, as a nutrient for growing plants um, and growing plants in a irrigated system that is soilless. Um, you've probably seen a um, number of programs on the television and the like about that. But um, what it is, it is in essence a relatively simple process. So obviously, it'll get quite complicated with all the pumping systems and management and the like. And as a result of that, of course, we've got uh, we have developed this um, really close relationship with uh, CESAR, which is the department in Swansea University, uh, to help us through this process. And as I've mentioned before, we've, we've also got a research student working with us as well. And the aim of that is uh, it's clear to have this, um, you know, um, a fully functioning and, and high yield um, uh, greenhouse uh, atop the building. Uh, but we will also have a byproduct of that is actually fish, which will be, uh, available for inspection on the ground floor, and we're going to make an exhibition out of that. So we have done some preliminary calculations and they're going to get more advanced now in terms of, uh, of what kind of yield uh, we should be able to get from the building. The intention is not to make this a, a full-on commercial venture. Um, you know, you, you'll say, oh, crap! why would you do it here on the building with all the complicated logistics? But the plan here is to make it commercial with a little c, because effectively it is going to be a revenue generator for the community interest company. So we're setting it up in such a way uh, that that is something that they would manage and any profits that might come from this would be fed back into the company. Um, A Few little diagrams there. You can see the sort of things that we're talking about uh, as sort of middle graphics, um, showing how uh, different kinds of growing, uh, the way you grow uh, the crops. Uh, we've basically got, you know, a four-story greenhouse with multiple layers in it and uh, opportunities for growing. Um, obviously, with a south-facing uh, greenhouse, uh, the overheating, uh, you, first of all, you might be alarmed by that. But at the same time, of course, we've got a significant amount of uh, P photovoltaic uh, on there, which actually is controlling that. And all that the science and the modelling of all that is, uh, is going on at the moment with our friends at um, Hawley. Okay, in terms of a water strategy, um, very complicated. Um, uh, this is proving to be quite uh, um, one to, um, to explain, if nothing else, to um, the um, drainage department in, in the council because they're, they're used to receiving schemes where they're sort of a bunch of calculations about what, what might be the final um, output from the building going into the, into the drain. We've got some very complex calculations to do because basically we are going to be, in essence, uh, tracking every single raindrop that falls onto this building and where it goes, how it's collected, how it's recycled, how it's used, how it's stored, um, how it irrigates, um, you know, vertical walls, balconies, the greenhouses themselves. Um, so it's quite a complex animal, um, and we and it's living and it's like a living and breathing uh, approach. But we do all those calculations and then. Uh, we will um, be uh, effectively provide almost, it's almost like a negative uh, drainage aspect to the scheme because we're actually attenuating or storing more water than, um, uh, than normal projects. So it's not a problem. It's just a complex sort of um, interrelationship between all the different facets. In terms of an energy strategy, you'd expect um, clearly uh, with the agendas that we've got to, to hit and the targets that we've got to hit, um, but, you know, there's a lot of focus on actually how we deliver that through renewable sources. Uh, we've got fantastic opportunities here. Clearly, we're we're looking at, um, at the top of the tower will actually be incorporated uh, by a solar roof. So we've got generation that's happening there. Mentioned about the greenhousing. Well, of course, it's integrated photovoltaics on there, uh, generating enough electricity to, uh, in effect, um, uh, not only run all the systems that are needed for the uh, for the urban farm, but we'll go beyond that. Uh, we can go beyond that because we'll use a demand shift technology with battery storage, which means that with the mixed use nature of this building, um, that we will be able to uh, divert energy to where it's needed at any particular time of day. But it is important that we have sufficient battery storage for that. And so we've got we have some centralized batteries, but we also have some decentralized ones, which are actually gonna help us uh, balance the, uh, the energy demand throughout the building. We've also got a good um, a system uh, for supplying of hot water, um, uh, both for heating and also uh, for hot water usage. Uh, we're going to be using uh, air source heat pumps and then what's called a ambient temperature energy loop. Which basically means that uh, we've got a circuit that is actually used for both the commercial spaces and also the residential. And with the demands being at the different times, uh, we're able to balance that. And they, it actually gets topped up through the in the residential units by um, small units to give us the actual final temperature you need for the hot water. One interesting avenue that took place here is that uh, thermal store is actually, you've probably heard about thermal stores. Uh, well, we just decided we decided that if we're going to have to put in a large sprinkler tank in uh, to deliver uh, compliance with building regulations for all the apartments to have um, sprinklers is that we might as well use the water that's down there as a thermal store so it, these are the sort of things that are coming out of uh, discussions with uh, all the collaborators is that we can do some one or two things slightly differently which is interesting as you'd imagine um this is going to be wired for all sorts of uh, metering and data. One of the key aspects of the funding that we're receiving from uh, from Welsh Government is to ensure that we really are recording everything. So uh, it's not just going to be about water, energy. Uh, it'll also be, um, we are also, because of the health and well-being agenda, we're actually going to be uh, also inviting people to be part of that process as well. So there's going to be lots of uh, data, which is really key if we're going to take a project like this to... To do it again and waste management um you know there's all, all many aspects of the, to the waste management that we're actually looking at a couple of the key areas which is kind of interesting which possibly is not going to make it for this project is the idea that we could use and again i've got to thank my friends from cesar with this one is that the idea you can use algae uh to actually create um the food Uh, stuff for uh, the fish production. So we're going to, this is basically taking waste and converting it into food uh, to help close one of those loops. I think it's an important area we're looking at at the moment, but it's another one of those loops that can be closed in our attempt to actually not really have waste. That's the whole idea of this. Very interesting one that we are delivering though is the one in the middle called the uh, carbon dioxide sequestration. Um, Because we've got three floors of commercial office space, we are going to be effectively scrubbing the air that's actually in those three in those offices uh, and we're scrubbing it to take advantage of the carbon dioxide which of course we're going to pump then say of course I'm saying that because as if you would know you'd know the answer but we're going to take the carbon dioxide and actually use it to increase the yield in the greenhouses. Uh, There are all sorts of other innovations that are going on there as you would expect lots of sensors. one, one of the areas that obviously we're keen on, um, we were asked a question yesterday, where's all the car parking? Well, we're not providing any car parking with this development. We're, this is going to be about uh, encouraging everybody to either walk or, or actually um, bicycles. Uh, so there's a lot of effort that's gone into making sure that you, you can get, uh, I think, up to three bikes in an apartment. Uh, but we've got uh, areas for electric uh, bicycle charging, we've got washing facilities, uh, and the like, and a repair shop are all part of the project. So bad um, time for me to stop, I think, but I want to stop with just really uh, uh, this important part, which um, unlike a normal development uh, where you might find the developer and the consultant team uh, being involved with a project for maybe 12 months after it's been constructed, and it's what's called, they call it the defect, correction period basically it gives the everybody the chance to see if there's any problems with the project and they try and fix it within 12 months well this project uh, we're going to extend that to five years but they not only that's not because we're expecting any problems it's because actually there are so many systems involved in this that we want to actually have a good sl- a good period of time that we can actually um bring the community interest company along this is going to be set up uh, early doors, uh, the, the, the partners to that will be people who are involved in the project at the moment. But as and when uh, the resident residences uh, or, or the people taking on the residential accommodation and those taking on the commercial spaces, they will all become uh, uh, um, shared owners in this company. And so there will be a transition period, which we've said that will be for five years, where we um, help run the systems for them. Uh, but ultimately, the end of that, intention is that they will they'll actually want to kick us off because they'll want to run it themselves so i did want to just mention about health and well-being um is that clearly it's um it's a focus uh uh for all of us at the moment and there's a lots of again there's lots of legislation around this but it's all makes sense um but one of the things that we found quite difficult excuse me is that it's it's quite a um, difficult uh, area to measure. Um, there are lots of lots of certification processes that deal with energy. A lot of you might be familiar with uh, the Building Research Establishment's uh, energy assessment method, or called Briam for short. Uh, that's sort of uh, anybody in construction is dealing with that on a daily basis. Um, but it's, it's, it's very much focused on um, energy and sustainable development in that in, from an energy point of view. It's quite difficult to actually um, find uh, something that does the same for measuring health and well-being. And given at the end of the day, this is so important, for, uh, particularly for Welsh Government, but actually for our future, is that we want to have a certification process that allows us to benchmark it for, for uh, going forward. So we are going to be part of what's called the WELL Certification. This is a, a brand new, well it's not brand new, it's actually been around a few years, it's just not for, maybe not familiar for people in the UK, um, uh, which covers all the, the key areas. Uh, I, mean, I, I think you can see the list in the middle there, is that it goes beyond the, the normal certification process, you know, and deals with things like, um, you know, uh, community and uh, your, 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 your and mindfulness. Uh, and there's lots of ways of these can be measured. And we've also been uh, talking to both Swansea University and Cardiff University about how we're actually going to uh, deal with this. But I was reminded by my colleague from Hawley yesterday, Tunde, who did say that if we do deliver this project, which we are going to do under the well certification, it will be the first one in the world that has actually a mixed use development with residential and commercial as part of it which does make it slightly daunting, uh, but we are committed to doing it, and we believe if we don't do it, we're not going to have the means by which uh, we can set an example uh, to other projects. Okay, I think that's probably enough for me, and I may um, clearly we're here for questions, um, but if I just, maybe Philip, if I stop there?
2: Yeah, thanks ever so much again.